morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me on Twitter. And it's Wednesday, Wednesday, March 16th. Still got about two, two, three, three more weeks of basketball, right? We had a four-game slate last night. If you didn't have Kyrie Irving, you were dead pretty much. Uh, and then we got 12 games today. Uh, and it's all split up. It's all seven, seven, seven. Okay, okay. I could go with that. Seven thirty, seven thirty. Okay. Eight o'clock, eight o'clock. Okay, that's fine. And eight thirty, nine o'clock, ten, ten, ten thirty. It's gonna be a long night. I don't even know if I'm gonna play tonight. Not even sure. Right? There's enough early games. I don't know. I'll I'll think about it. Maybe I don't. But uh, maybe I don't know what. It's a twelve game slate. What can we cover at eleven o'clock in the morning? With uh, what, what, what LeBron, SGA, Beverly, Van Vliet, Seth Curry. Oh, we got tons of people that we have to wait on, right? Tons of people we have to wait on, but I'll wait on you. I'll wait on you in the YouTube chat. So uh, feel free to type in your type in your questions, your comments, your concerns, your live streams, whatever you want in the YouTube chat. Give me those thumbs ups on your way in the door. Thummy thumbs, hit the thumbs ups. It helps It helps us out. Like and subscribe. Hit the notica- notification bell to know when we go live. Uh, we, we now got more content on the channel. We got NHL stuff, right? I think on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We got the scores and odds YouTube channel with all the, all the betting stuff. We got Grinders Live later today. We got uh, Crunch Time for premium members. Uh, we, we, we have some, some college basketball, some March Madness stuff. Coming up soon. And F1 racing. I don't know if there'll be a YouTube show or anything with the F1, but I believe I, 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 I see in, in our internal Slack, they're working on adding F1 to lineup HQ. So hopefully, hopefully from what I'm seeing, I'm looking, I'm looking over there. Hopefully they'll have some type of lineup HQ up for F1 on Sunday. Uh, that's, that's coming from Stevie, who handles the NASCAR and the racing stuff. So uh, if you're into F1 racing, They've added it to DraftKings, and uh, we uh, hopefully we'll have something soon. Not this week, next week. I don't know how many events they do. I have no idea. I don't follow. I don't follow any type of racing whatsoever, but it's being asked. It's been asked, so I just wanted to let everyone know that Roto Grinders here, we're working on adding to F1 stuff, at least the lineup HQ to start. Maybe Steve will do some content. I have no idea. Literally no idea. They added it, like, I think yesterday, two days ago. F1, here we go, right? So so just like with anything at Roto-Grinders, we cover it all. We, we pretty much cover every sport that's offered on uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, uh, which includes basketball from yesterday. Basketball from yesterday. If you did not have Kyrie Irving, was in 100% of the top 1% lineups. Yeah, with 87 points on a four-game slate, that's what's going to happen. It's going to happen. And Tyus Jones... He got there. I mean, I mean, got 28.5 points, but it's only 3,400. Pretty much you need, you needed Grizzlies. It seems like you needed, you basically needed Grizzlies and Kyrie and then maybe Bruce Brown or Devin Booker. Maybe. Bain had a nice score, but I mean, he only ended up in 30% of the top 1% lineups. Let's see who else. Melton. I mean, that's another Grizzly. Anyone else down here? Any weird, weird guys? Any weird guys? I don't see any weird guys. Even though in the top lineup uh, on DraftKings, winning lineup had Isaiah Livers, min price on Detroit. Because Detroit, all those players were out for Detroit, but it seems like no one got there, right? If we look at Detroit, we had Cade Cunningham out, right? 
Cade Cunningham out. I had a ton of Sadiq Bay, and uh, no, and it, it was it was very spread out. Basically, that's what ended up happening. The production was too spread out. Actually, Killian Hayes probably made made uh, the best value on the slate. Well, Killian Hayes and Isaiah Livers, I guess, right? Because Sadiq Bay, twenty five points for six thousand, ain't gonna cut it. Jeremy Grant. 33 points is, you know, you don't have a snowflake, but you don't have a flame emoji. Olenek, Joseph, Stewart, Hayes, Bagley. I mean, just kind of all spread out. And then we had, uh, with Indiana, we had Goga out. So Isaiah Jackson was fairly popular, 31%. But I mean, the, the Pacers got blown out. I mean, that's what had, that basically that was the, that was the theme of the slate. Like there were two big blowouts, right? The Pacers got blown out and the Magic got blown out. It's so like the Magic guys couldn't get there, right? Moritz Wagner got there, right? Because garbage time, right? We had, I mean, we had Brzezakis in and Fultz, Fultz 17 point. Yeah, no one did anything for the Magic. Jeez, right? Wendell Carter, I mean, didn't really get there for 30. I mean, raw points, just like Cole Anthony. I mean, on a four-game slate, like, you don't need like seven, eight X from all your players, You'll just need raw points because not everyone is going to score that much, right? If we sort by points, I mean, look at the highest. I mean, look, I mean, even, even in a blowout, like Cole Anthony was still one of the top scorers. Because I Irving, Booker, Hero, McCollum, and then we have all the Grizzlies, right? Bain, Jackson, Melton, Stephen Adams, right? Tyus Jones over here. Okay, let's take a look at uh, across the board as far as exposures. I played on FanDuel last night, so it's slightly different, right? Slightly different. I still played tons of Grizzlies, obviously, uh, but I, play, I played a little, little too much Sadiq Bay in the small forward spot. Okay, we got Tyus Jones. Uh, Dylan Brooks was mega owned on both sides. He was like 50-something percent on DraftKings uh, on, on FanDuel. Uh, 20 points, ain't going to cut it. Right, because it pretty much baned it most most of the damage in that first half. But uh, uh, Tyus Jones on DraftKings, eighty one percent owned. And if we take a look across the board of all the, the sharp players that I have saved here, all over that. Oh no, DeColtz wasn't over. Okay, seventy nine percent of them. Right, but look, RBX locked him. A Hubro locked him. Oxen Duck locked him. Right, ninety eight percent, a hundred percent, ninety eight percent, eighty nine percent. Didn't have to get don't don't have to get cute on a four game slate to fade the best widely best projected thirty four hundred dollar player uh, projected for thirty plus minutes. There's no reason to do it. Dylan Brooks at forty nine hundred in the shooting guard spot. I mean he was eligible at more positions on DraftKings, right? Shooting guard, small forward. So I can understand playing a lot of him. So yeah, across the board, look look at the numbers. See all the green. Sixty percent owned. And for the most part, either at or above that, or, you know, around that, at least. Then we take a look at some, so how about the, how about the, uh, the Pistons? How do people handle the Pistons? See, Sadiq Bay, 25% owned. And a large portion of uh, the Sharp players, way over that. Jeremy Grant was a little bit more mixed, right? Then not much else, then not, really not much else here. Like Corey Joseph. A little bit. People played Rodney Magruder. Well, maybe Petty Theft did. Squirrel Patrol did, but not much else. 
Right? People didn't really react as much to Kay Cunningham as they did with the Grizzlies. It worked out. Then we take a look at the Pacers. Isaiah Jackson, 5,200. For the most part, he, other than the Colts with like 4%, pretty much, you know, he was 31% owned and more people were over on that. Right? It doesn't matter what, what happened. This is why you review it like this. Like, well, who did well and what did they play? Like, oh, Isaiah Livers. How, how, many, how much Isaiah River, Livers exposure did people have? He was 0.8% owned. And other than Kobe for MVP at 3.3%, Nerdy Tenor at 3.3%, Score Patrol at 0.7%. So it's like, well, I, I can't believe I didn't play Isaiah Livers. Well, the, well, no one else did either. Right? So you didn't miss out on anything. Like, if you didn't get much Isaiah Livers, it's not like you did anything wrong because the best players in the world didn't be. That's the reason you look at things like this. That's why, like, you look at, uh, at uh, Kyrie Irving, 16% owned, right, at 10-2 on DraftKings, especially when there were a lot of guards. I mean, we had Tyus Jones. We had Dylan Brooks. We had a lot of guards already with better value that paying up a guard wasn't going to be as popular. That's why Kevin Durant was way more owned because he fits in the small forward power forward spot, which was weaker yesterday. All right. So we take a look here, Kyrie Irving. I mean, he was owned, right? 16% owned, but no one really smashed him. I mean, even petty theft only had 25%. I mean, you can see your petty theft had more Kyrie than, than Kevin Durant. He barely had any Kevin Durant, but he had a ton of Drummond. Drummond only got 18 points because it was a blowout. Goran Dragic, 8.75 points. Most people were most people were over on Dragic. Same for Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown mixed, mixed over here. So if you played a lot of Kevin Durant last night, well, you were on board with most, most, most of the sharp players. Played way more Kevin Durant than Kyrie Irving, but it primarily because of a positional issue. If Tyus Jones, if John Morant was in and Tyus Jones was not a value anymore, not, I mean, you could still play him, I guess. I mean, it wouldn't be owned much. Then it's more likely that Ke- Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant's ownership would have been closer to one another. It's more likely that it would have been Kevin Durant, 22% owned, Kyrie Irving, 20% owned, than 36 and 16. But that's the reason. It's not like, like, oh, people thought uh, Durant would do so much better than Kyrie Irving. It's like, no, just small forward in general was not the strongest position yesterday. Small forward, power forward. So paying up there for raw points made more sense than with Devin Booker in another guard spot. Right? If we take a look at uh, the small forward spot, I mean, look at this. You had Durant, Bay, Butler, who got hurt. I mean, you barely had anyone here. If you pay down, you're paying for like Franz Wagner, Michael Bridges. I mean, for what, Jay Crowder? I mean, there's just really projection-wise, there's not really much here. The power forward spot, you got Isaiah Jackson, but still not much else, right? So if you use Durant, I don't know if Durant is small forward eligible, uh, power forward eligible on uh, DraftKings. I think he is. There's not much here, but if you go to like the guard positions, got a point guard. You had Jones, Drogic, Hampton, Brown, Irving, Anthony, Brogdon, Payne, who's a little bit expensive on 
draft. Go to the shooting guard positions. You had Brooks. McCollum projected very well. Bain. We need just had a lot, lot more options at the guard positions that you're more likely to spend the salary for raw points and small forward or power. But that's the reason. It's not like, oh, they liked Durant over Kyrie. No, it's, just, it's, it's a construction issue. Looking through the YouTube chat. Good morning. Good morning, Suki Sin. Typically, typically here the earliest. Matt Mears, final spinner. Mike B. Daniel Hutchins. AKA Nerdy Tenor. Trey, MJC. Daniel says he needs to spend some time with the F1 scoring system. Yeah, I think it's slightly different. From what I, I mean, I'm looking on Twitter. I'm like, I'm not, I didn't look at it. It, 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 There's a captain in F1, right? There's something like that, right? There's a captain and I I don't know. I have no idea, right? But it's different. It's different than NASCAR. That's all I know. MJC says, Blender, looking forward to MLB DFS. Are you a fan of the bat? Yes. The bat, the bat by Derek Hardy is the projection system that is the baseline projection system that I use. So if you want to, I don't, I don't know if the, the subscriptions to the bat are on sale yet, but get it. That's that that is the baseline that I use. The bat and the blitz, both by Derek Cardi, both projection systems by Derek Cardi, in NFL and MLB and NFL are what I use as the baseline. I always say as the baseline. I may change some things, but as the bare basic baseline, I start with the bat. And if you want to, I think out of, out of all the projection systems in the industry that are available publicly that you, you would have to pay for, there's some free ones. I, I don't, I don't, some of, some of the free in baseball and basketball, yeah, none of them. Yeah. Yeah. If you're getting free projections, you're getting what you, you're getting what you paid for. I I think the accuracy on a lot of those free projection systems are are not as good. They're, they're not. They're hey, they're better than none. If you're using some type of free projections offered somewhere, there that's better than you having no projections. So I don't I don't want to downplay that. Oh, some of these free projection sets are are not the most accurate, but they're still way more accurate than than you're than trying to do it in your head. Okay. So use some type of projection set, but uh, in, in, in baseball, especially uh, the, the bat uh, has a slightly higher R value than any, anyone else in the industry. And it also has way more variables. So if you want, if you wanted to be a little bit more different than other projection systems, Cardi's Cardi's is Cardi. So you see stuff in the bat every day with MLB. You just, it, it, you have to like take the, you have the wheel, right? You're, you're, you, you really, you really have to trust the numbers. Okay. That, that's all that's, that, that's the, with the bat, especially, right? You want to be on the wheel, right? You know, I'm playing MLB DFS. I I'm in control 10 and two, right? You're making lineups. Oh, that stack, that picture, that whatever like that. Then you, then when, when, once you get the bat, you just take, take your hands off the wheels. And when, when, when the top pitching value is a 3% owned uh, Drew Smiley. And you go, why does he project so well? Like that doesn't make any sense. And then then more times than not, it actually works out, right? Sometimes you just, oh, you got to play this team against that pitch or whatever. And then you see the projections aren't that good in the bat. But around the industry, maybe slightly, 
it's significantly enough better that you get different ownership, especially especially the pitching, right? The pitching in the bat, like it gets it gets weird. It gets weird, and, and dude, over the course of a season, it's like, yeah, it doesn't always work out or anything like that. But over the course of a season, those pitching projections are <coughs> are scary sometimes. Where it's like everyone's paying up for this guy, and like the bat has him as like the eighth best that best uh, salary adjusted value pitcher on the slate, and he's going to be forty percent owned. And the best salary adjusted value pitcher on the slate is some seventy eight hundred dollar guy. That it's like why 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 does he get a boost? Then goes down and he pitches seven innings, one gives up one hit, right, nine strikeouts, and he's like six percent owned. Then even better if people are stacking against that guy, you get even more relevant value. So yes, yes, I would suggest the bat, and of course Cardi's going to be on a ton of shows once uh, baseball season's back. April seventh, he'll probably be on opening day. He'll be, he'll be he'll be on Grinders Live. He'll be on Crunch Time tons of times. So if you you uh, subscribe to the channel here and watch, and uh, subscribe to Roto Grinders and. Uh, He'll be on crunch times and everything like that. But uh, if when the bat is available, uh, it may be available. Now. Maybe it is now. Let me check. Was the bat available? Because it's an add-on. It does. You have to be a Roto Grinders member, a subscriber. Click on the link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. So you get access to Lineup HQ and R and our Roto Grinders projections and everything and all the content here. But if you want Derek Hardy's projections, right, you go to uh, you go to roadgrinders.com slash the dash bat or something like that. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's on sale yet. I think it'll be on sale soon. Whatever. I mean, I'm I'm already in no matter what. So like it's hard for me to show that on the screen. But if you want, if you want that, we'll look at it. Follow Derek Hardy on Twitter. And he'll obviously tweet about it when that is ready. Uh, MJC says, yeah, may need to make a leap and investment. I hear only good things. It's slightly pricey, but it's not, it's now it's extremely underpriced. All projections in the industry are extremely underpriced. The bat probably for 162 game season, which it may not be this year. The bat probably should cost about five thousand, five, five, five thousand to seventy five hundred dollars a season. Probably should cost that, right? Projections around the industry should cost a lot more money. Like our NBA projections alone should cost twenty five hundred dollars a year, a season. It should. So when you say it's like, oh, it's only forty dollars a month, yeah, it's extremely cheap for what you get. Extremely cheap. So I consider the fact that you get baseball projections every single day from April 7th to the end of the season. It, it would, you, you build that system. Let's see how long it takes you to build that. It would cost you way more, way more, way more than way more than $5,000. So that's why that's the value of it. But some type of decent projections, you can use the RG projections. That's fine. Those are worth a thousand dollars or whatever. This is a game in numbers. Once you understand that it's a game in numbers and so you're playing a math game, what's the most important thing? Having the best numbers. 
and then arranging those numbers in the best way so you have a better chance of winning than other people. That's it. That's what DFS is. So if you're going to start with no numbers, you're way behind. You're extremely well, way so much behind. Do you need the most accurate? No, I mean, on a season-to-season basis, there's variance. If you're like, I don't want to use the bat. I want to use the RG projections. That's fine. That, mod- that model is, is good. Doesn't have as many variables as the bat, but still better than no projections. You want to get projections from other places in an industry? That's fine. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not beating the drum of like, you got to get Roto-Grinder stuff. Like you got to get projections. Either you're building your own model or you're, you're using someone else's model. You got to use something. It's a math game. You need the numbers to begin with. For you to just pick, you know, oh, I'm just going to pick randomly. Oh, this guy, oh, the wind's blowing out here. Oh, this guy, it's a revenge game. Like that's not accurate. In very small samples, you may go, oh, I was right about that guy. But they, they, did, did you back test? Did you back test your takes? No. You'll remember all the times that you were right and not the 700 times you were wrong. Yeah, Daniel Hutchins is ready for Rugned Odor. What team? He's not on the Yankees anymore. What, what team is he on? Rugned Odor. He's, uh, he moved. He moved, right? He's on, he's on the Orioles now. Oh, that's going to be great because they're they're horrible. So he's obviously going to play every day. Right? He's going to play every day. He's going to bat sixth. He's going to be 2,900, and he's going to be in 60% of my lines as a one-off at second base or third base or wherever the hell he'd be eligible. Right? Those are high-variance players. You have to understand the standard deviation of baseball players are not, are not equal. Hunter Renfro, Right? Or what is that? That's Hunter Renfro, right? It's the same, the different spelling than the football player. Rudnett Odor, Joey Gallo, right? That I mean, someone like that. Yay, hits 50 home runs and also strikes out 200 times and has more home runs than, than singles. 50 home runs on the season and 26 singles. That's it. Those types of people, they don't score. They, you know, oh, here's a here's a here's a median projection of of, of nine point six. Like the guy doesn't score nine points ever, right? He's going to score two zero two four something like that, or like fourteen eighteen twenty six something like that. You're not going to get eight or nine points out of that guy. No, of course not. He's gonna, oh three singles. He's going to have three singles and a run. Like he, he doesn't he doesn't hit like that. His standard deviation. It's much higher. Then you have the slap hitters that it's like, oh, is he projected for? He's projected for 9.6 points. It's like, yeah, okay, but he's probably not getting 22, right? He's probably not getting zero, right? So you're probably going to get five points, five, nines, sevens, you know, 11s, some type of thing like that. So the standard deviation is smaller. Okay. Masher says, I tried to adjust the bat using the props market last year. Did not work. The bat was sharper than the props market. Yeah, you can use the bat for props. There are a lot of people that did that last year. Uh, the bat has statistical projections also. So it's not just a projection set of floor, ceiling, you know, fantasy points, you know, stuff like that. It also gives the breakdown of like every category for all the players. So even if it's fractional. So you could you could go by... You know, home run props. There'll be, you know, a home run prop on so Nelson Cruz is point is is uh is uh, is is plus two hundred, 
And you see in the bat that Nelson Cruz has a home run projection of 0.4, right? Which means would be a 40% chance, which would, would be which would be plus 150. Right. So that would that would be the correct odds. The correct odds on a Nelson Cruz home run is plus 150. And if you find a plus 200, that's plus EV. Plus 200 is 66%. Right. So you're getting paid as if you're getting paid as if it's a 33% chance when the bat has it as a 40% chance. Right. You could you could use statistical projections of the bat for that. Right. You could add up singles, doubles, whatever, whatever you want. Right. You'd also use it for, for totals, for games and pitch pitcher props for strikeouts, because it'll list that as well. You'll see in the bat, you like projected, you know, some pitcher projected for 6.2 strikeouts. And you look at the, the prop mark and you go, oh, over five and a half is, is minus 110. Right. That's, that's probably a profitable bet. Right. Now, obviously, if it's over, over five and a half, at like minus 140, then it's not. Right. You always have to, you always have to add the VIG in, add the, add the money line in. How much, how much, how much is a strikeout worth on the money line? You have to have those figures. Like the, that, that's the thing that people don't, don't talk about when it comes to betting on prop props. The, the line on the prop bet matters. So it's not a matter of I think this guy's gonna throw, I think, oh, this guy's projected to throw uh, six, seven strikeouts. And the and the prop market on the strikeouts is five and a half. So I'm gonna bet that. Are you gonna bet that at minus 170? No, of course not. At minus 170, you, you, it's actually a negative EV bet, but it's over five and a half. Yeah, but you got to lay 170. That was a minus 110 bet. Sure. Okay. Yes. Plus EV. Minus 170? No, the line might as well be six and a half. Minus 170 is essentially minus, it, it's, it's a six and a half strikeout bet at, at even money, something like that. Right. So now, now at, when he's projecting for around there and he's even money, now it's all, all, all your expected values come. Right. So it's not just picking stuff that the lines matter. The money matters. Oh, uh, let's see what else in the YouTube chat. Feel free to type in. We don't got much to talk about today. I know there's a 12 game slate, but that it makes, it makes it even, it makes it even harder to talk about. Right. Yesterday at a four game slate, the likelihood of, of news happening in a four game slate. Oh, maybe we could start talking. Maybe, maybe. Oh, what's going on? John Morant's out. Right. And there was, and then there's still stuff happened. Cade Cunningham ended up out. Golga was out. Right. Stuff still happened on a four game slate. But four game slate, maybe, maybe, maybe we could talk about some type of strategy or something eight hours in advance on a 12 game slate. Are you nuts? So there's, there's less to talk about. Right, because you know this is not nothing like this is going to stay the same. What do you, we've got twenty four teams, right? Twenty four teams. It's Joel Embiid's birthday. Is that a narrative today? Who is he playing? He's playing Cleveland. So play. It's Joel Embiid's birthday. So that has to mean something, right? This is what people without projections do. They go, oh, it's his birthday. Got to play him. Will Barton is playing near his hometown, of Baltimore, Maryland. Got to play him, right? They do stuff like that. There's no accuracy to anything like that. Masher says, uh, even if you build your own model, the upkeep is too much work and will divert your attention from DFS strategy, which is much more important. Yes, agree. That, that, that's, that is the main reason why I don't build my own model. It's not that I can't do it, right? I probably can't do it as well as Cardinals. There's probably no, that I would, it would take me years to probably be as good as Cardi at modeling, right? So how much is my time worth? So if I can't, 
be better than that. And I could just pay 300 bucks for a season. Why the hell not? If I'm not going to do better than it, right? There are the, the NBA projections we have here, Roto-Grinders. Am I going to allocate minutes? Am I going to am I going to look at usage percentages? Am I going to then regress all this data so we get the proper you know simulation values? No, of course not. I could do it. Yes, it'll take me a lot of time to to get the system. It'll it'll take me weeks upon weeks, full time work, forty hours a week, to get a model just to get the model on par. Maybe maybe on par. Maybe Jamino's probably better than me maybe on par and then i still have to then put in all the inputs which means i need to know more about basketball to put in the inputs what is that worth what is my time worth way more than doing doing that when i could i'll pay 40 dollars a month to, to get to that point yet yeah, that my time's worth way more than that that's the reason why i say the projections are too cheap and people are, oh, i don't want to pay up i don't want to pay for these things dude you know how how valuable it is comparison to doing it yourself it's nuts there are tons of people look daniel hutchins is the nerdy tenor he doesn't make his own projections he uses the ones that they're available he does his own simulations sure but he takes all the inputs that are here because why why build it from scratch when you could how much time do you have so that's the, exactly the same thing focus on the strategy that's the thing that's not that you can't buy right I mean, you can't, you kind of, you kind of could buy by buying the theory of daily fantasy sports. I had to think like a professional DFS player. It's a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass. You pick up a theory of DFS.com. If you want to learn the concepts of game theory of DFS, you still have to apply them. Every slate is different. But if you go to theory of DFS.com and, and buy, buy my course, buy my seminar. That's that's the main thing I concentrate on. This is what I concentrate, the game theory aspects of it. I like that everyone else does the numbers. Like you, you, I'll pay for the numbers. Now, now, how do I put the numbers together better than other people? Right? Why is certain lineup constructions more owned than certain other combinations of lineups? What types of contests are you playing? How do you gear the lineups towards the contest that you're playing? What affects your expected value more than other things? What is relative value? I mean, I use the term, I made up the term relative value. I say it in the course all the time, relative value. How much one player's points are worth more than other players' points based on how owned they are. That's that's the whole goal of the game. The whole goal of the game is to score more points than your opponents. The key word in there is not more points. It's than your opponents. So you're... If you people look at NBA and go, oh, how do I score 400 points? Like that's isn't your goal. You, I've, I've won NBA slates with 302s, right? That's probably a slate where a lot of the chalk fails, right? Because a guy that's 60% owned only puts up 10 points and his relative value on the slate is very, not having him is very high. So there's 60% of lineups that only have 10 points. And if having a player that is 2% owned with 80 points, I'm not saying that that, that that happens often, is worth a lot more. Because 98% of the field does not have those points. So understanding what relative value is. What is the relative value of players? Relative value of lineups. I can put together a lineup that's like, on average, scores more points than other lineups, but 
So much of the field has those points also. So they're not as valuable to you. You still need points. You still need points. You can't just, oh, I'm going to play all 1% players. Well, 99% of the field don't have those points. Yeah, but you still need, how many raw points is it? <laughs> I, I don't, if, if a guy is, if a guy is 60% owned and is going to be, and is going to put up 50 points at 3K. Well, how do I beat out the field if he puts up 50? Well, 60% of the field has, has gotten a, a 15X out of a, of a minimum price player. I can't make that up in relative value. I can't make up that many points in, in relative value, not having that player. I'd rather have that player with 60% of the field, knowing that 40% of the field is dead, right? Those are the types of concepts that are, that are in this course. And you got to stand, then you start with the numbers and that's it. It's not that comp. It's really not that complicated a game. Once you take out of your mind, mind that, that it's sports, right? That's why like F1, I don't know anything about F1. But I, I'm pretty sure that within a week, once you give me some projection, some you know, you know, some type of some type of system type of thing that gives that spits out numbers, and you show me and you show me the you know the the, the point system and the construction types and the ownership and everything, you know, I could probably beat it. There's only so much time in the there's only so much time in the day to play all the sports, but some people do it. But it's the same type of concepts. That's why you can see some of the best DFS players in the world. Oh, they play like all the sports. Do you think they know a lot about all the sports? No. They're doing the same exact thing. <sighs> MJC, how many unique lineups do you typically like to have on any given night? And it doesn't matter. I like to have plus EV lineups. Depends on what I what I want to risk. That's a risk. You could play one lineup. You could play three lineups. You could play five lineups. You could play three hundred lineups. If you start, if you typically, 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 if you start the question with how many, the answer that that's an improper question for DFS. How many or how much? Tip, typically, I don't I don't know if I can think of a question that is valid that starts with those those words. How many lineups? Whatever lineup, as long as they're good lineups. Look at what I could do. Here's in lineup HQ. Here, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put out. Uh, here's, here's ten lineups. Uh, here's twenty lineups. Well, let me do, let me do. Uh, uh, now, let me do five lineups. I'm gonna do five lineups, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you know just one unique. But it doesn't matter. Just give me the five best line, the best median lineups. Okay, I got to modify my player pool. Come on. I already put it. I already put this in. Zero, zero, zero. Fine. Give me five lineups. Okay. So here are five lineups, right? The highest projected lineups. 286, 285, 284, 284, 284, right? Who cares about the ownership? Whatever. Right? So here's the five best projected lineups. Okay. So now I'm going to go in and I'm going to exclude all these players. I'm going to exclude, uh, I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to exclude all of these guys. Just all of them. Keep on going. Keep on, anything with an RG value that's positive, I'm just going to get rid of. Just get rid of all of them. Right? I'm just going to get rid of all of these players. I'm excluding them. They're not in my player pool. Right? There you go. Okay? Now I'm going to make 150 lineups. Okay? Doesn't matter. 
unique players want, whatever. I'm just making 100, making, making a ton of lineups. One hell of a ton, right? And you tell you tell me which would you rather have in, a, in the largest field GPP? Would you rather have the five lineups, the five best projected lineups that I that I made? Or would you rather have 150 of these lineups that are coming up? And I can tell you, I guarantee I'd rather have the five lineups in the beginning than 150 of these. So this is almost done. Here's 150 lineups. Okay. Let's see. What, 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 are line, what do these lineups look like? Right? Right? Oh, they, total ownership is 50%, and the projection is 255. Right? All right, look, look at the ownership here. 255 compared to 286. So you're, 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 you're dropping 31 fantasy points of median. Of course, you're getting very low on lineups. Would you rather have 150 of these? And these are only at the top. What's at the bottom? Scroll all the way down to the bottom. You probably still get 253, right? Because it's all, it's all just garbage players. Not garbage, but like just low, low median players. It still fits to 50,000. It's still, I mean, you still have guys here. But like, which ones would you rather have? No, I'd rather have the five good lineups than 150 bad lineups. So the number of lineups doesn't matter. Would I rather have 150 good lineups? Yeah, of course. So the lineups matter, not how many you have. Let's say you, let's say you were going into a, to a casino. Okay, you go into here's here's the here's the option that you could have uh, a, a casino game where you're betting on the flip of a coin, a fair coin, where you call heads or tails and you get paid four to one. Okay, four to one on your money. Or you go play roulette, standard roulette with two two green numbers. That is minus five point in the five and a quarter percent or so expected value. You're you're guaranteed over the course of time to lose five percent of your money. Would you rather have one four to one bet on a coin flip, or hundred and fifty uh, uh, black or red bets on a roulette? Doesn't matter. Well, I, how about a hundred? I, I, how much can I win in one hundred and fifty? No, it does. Compounding negative EV things doesn't make it plus EV. It just makes it more negative EV. You're just you're, you're actually hurting yourself. So you'd much rather make one bet of plus EV on on on, on a coin, one bet like that, than one hundred and fifty bad bets. So it's not a matter of how many. It's a matter of the actual lineups. I'd love to make a hundred. I'd, I'd love to make 150 bets on the four to one odds on the points. I'd rather that, but if, you, if that's what you're trying to do, if you're building 150 lineups, you're trying to build 150 plus EV lineups in comparison to the field. The same thing you do if you build one lineup or two lineups or three lineups. So just building more lineups doesn't mean anything, right? Having 50% of a player doesn't mean anything. Well, what lineups are, is he in? Right, I could have. I could look. Imagine me. I'll look. Imagine uh, I've uh, uh, Jason Tatum goes off today. Right, here's my 150 lineups. He's two percent owned, and I have 83 percent of him. And Jason Tatum puts up 70 fantasy points. I probably still do not win this slate. I probably lose money on this slate. Well, but you have you have 83 percent of a two percent owned guy. Yeah, but they're all look at all these lines. 
lineups. These are horrible lineups. Right? Yes, yes. I have him in more. So what does it matter what the, the percentage of the exposure is? doesn't matter. The lineups are awful. So don't, who cares if, oh, well, the guy's 20% owned, I'm going to have 40%. That doesn't mean anything. In and of itself, that doesn't mean anything. That's a representation of your diversification. But do the individual, are the individual lineups plus EV? Are they good lineups? Saying 40% of someone doesn't mean anything. If they're in bad, well, look, I built 150 bad lineups on purpose just to show you. These are all bad lineups. There's a lineup that are, that are, that are unprofitable. So having 79% of a guy, you know, who cares? Rudy Gay, I'm going to have 75% of him. You think you could win like this? No, of course not. Because each individual lineup is, is hard. So don't, t- don't talk about how many, how much. Build one plus EV line. Done. Build a second one. Build a third one. Build a fifth one. Build a 20th one. Build a 50th one. Whatever you want. You build 50 plus EV lineups. Well, I have 70% of this guy. So what's are they are the lineups you're building good? Yeah, it's okay. Do you want 70% that has that then then you come down to want? Do you want to risk 70% of a 10% on guy on this slate? Can you build lineups without that guy that are plus EV? Of course you can. So maybe you decide, well, I'm I'm playing too much of this guy. And I don't want to have my entire slate, more of my slate that's decided by that person. I'm decreasing my risk by finding plus EV lineups that don't have that player in it. So that's what you're really doing when it comes to exposures. It's all just a representation of your of, of how diverse you're being. You still need plus EV lineups. Oh. Uh. Ryan Johnson said, why are you getting rid of the high-age RGB players? Just, just, to, just to show an example of bad lineups. Because look, I'd like, there are plenty, I've, I've seen, people have sent me CSVs of 150 sets, maybe that don't look as bad as these, but look very bad. And they go, look, but I had this much of this guy and that much of that guy, and, what, and why, did it, why did I lose half my money tonight? And I look at these lineups and I go, yeah, because the lineup, you, you have like, you have dead spots in like all your lineups. It's like, why the hell did you play this guy? Why, why are all these guys together in one lineup? Well, these lineups project horrible. So yeah, so one of the eight guys did well, but I mean, you have to, you're gonna have to. This is like lightning in a bottle type of lineups. Like, why didn't you? Why, when if you're gonna play three two percent owned guys in NBA, why aren't you playing the chalk forty percent owned highest projected guy on the slate in that lineup? You you already have enough left. Why are you losing projection for no reason? That's what I mean. That's why I, that's why I removed all those players. Just, just to make sure that I was building bad ones. And to show that, look, even if you look at the percentages on the side, why well, so much more of this guy than the field? Doesn't matter. The exposures don't matter. A master says, but it is a problem if your lineups compete with one another for first. It's not a problem. My lineups are often competing with one another at the top 5K to 15K GPPs, which is the biggest problem in my game. No, it's not. It's not a problem. Your lineups are more correlated with each other's, which means they will position themselves on the payout curve much more correlatively, which means your, your variance goes up. That's all that it means. Right? You have two lineups. 
right? And it's just the difference between them is a 1v1. Most likely, wherever one places, the other one's going to place very closely to it, right? But if you don't mind the swings, you, you can make 20 lineups that are only one person. It's the same seven players and then one person different. You could do that. Just understand that they're highly correlative to one another. So if one lineup does well, the other lineups do well. If the one lineup does badly, the other lineups do badly. But if that's very high variance portfolio. If you want to do that, that's fine. As long as all 20 lineups are plus EV, that's fine. You can do that. If you want to lower your risk and still build similar EV lineups, you can make 3v3s, 4v4s, and find different combinations and be a little bit more diverse. One way is not better than the other way. Just one way is less risky and has less swings. You're more likely, you put in $100 with, with the, uh, I'm going to build 20 lineups and it's going to be a 1v1 difference. But you're going to have a lot of slates where you put in 100 bucks and get back zero or get back five bucks, right? You're going to lose 90% of your money. There may be, there'll maybe select days where you, 100 bucks turns into 10,000 also, right? Because you have first place, second place, fifth place, seventh place, get all of those. You have a more diverse portfolio set of similar EV lineups. Now, when, when, you, when you lose on a slate, maybe you don't lose 90%, maybe you lose 40%, right? Maybe you lose 20%, maybe you win 20%, like the swings are smaller. And then when you win, when one of your lineups win, you come in first place, but you're probably not coming in second and fifth and seventh. Your lineups aren't as correlated to each other. So when you win, you're not winning everything. I mean, that, that's why if you if you play, you know, I'm going to have a core group of people and then switch out a couple. You you may have a night where you win you win the entire site, right? You you come you come in first, second, first, you know, third, eighth. This contest, you're in multiple contests, and next thing you know, you you you've won everything. When you do a little bit more diversified, you're probably not you're going to win one, but not the others. By the end, if you ran this out a million times, you end up with the same amount of money anyway, right? Pretty much. So if you can end up with the same amount of money anyway, I, me personally, my risk tolerance is, I'd rather decrease my risk then. If I could keep as very similar uh, EV lineups in my portfolio and reduce my risk, why wouldn't I? Do it? Rather than maximize my EV to the nth degree. I don't need all the money. I don't need to have swings where I'm up and down $150,000 at a time. <sighs> Ryan Johnson asks, uh, what are some players you want a lot of shared? This I, I have no idea. The players don't matter, Ryan. Uh, what I would suggest is that at 6.30, this is what I, I would say. This is literally what I do, Ryan. Literally. Show up a half an hour before the slate load the projections, and build lineups. Other than that, uh, what well, I don't see, I, I don't, I, I physically don't understand how you cannot do that. What I will do, let me, I've showed it on here before. I'm going to add all the players back. Okay. You show back up. All these numbers will be updated. Maybe this guy's out. Maybe this guy's in. Maybe something got changed. Maybe the starting lineup has changed. I have no idea. I don't care. 
All I care is about these numbers. And you know when the numbers will be the most accurate? Closest to lock. So if you just showed up closest at 6.30, all you have to do is go to, go to rotogrinders.com slash lineup HQ, right? You literally have to know nothing about basketball. Nothing at all. You could have literally never heard of Giannis. Never heard of Luca. Never heard of Joel, Joel Embiid. Who's that guy? I don't even understand what a PG is. What is a C? What does C stand for? Control? What does SF stand for? I have no idea. There are obviously positions in a basketball game. I don't know what they do. Literally never watch basketball. I don't even understand the concept of basketball. Right? 120 to 118 is the totals. How do they score points? I don't know. There's probably a basket. I think there's a basket. Right? How much is a basket worth? I don't know. How about the three-point line? Oh, there's a line? I don't even know what the, what, is this a circular court? What does the ball even look like? I don't even know what the ball, I don't know. I don't know. Do they play with a small little ping pong ball? Do they try to shoot it into the cups? I've literally never seen basketball before. Someone like that will destroy you in DFS by literally just using these numbers and putting together lineups. You don't need to know anything about the sport. Just have a projection model, right? That's all you need. And then the people in, on our projections team are putting in the minutes and usage. They know about basketball. That person may literally have never seen the sport be played. Never even heard of the sport. And will probably beat you at DFS by just playing it as a match. Because that's, that's all it is. Once it's all in numbers, I don't care about who the players are. Anymore. So these are the numbers. So like who to play today doesn't exist as a question. How do I build a lineup with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys that fill these positional spots up to 50,000 salary? How do I put the numbers in these for the contest that I'm in better than other people? So that my chances of winning first or winning more money are more than other people's. And then just, that's it. That's it. That's it. You're done. It's like Ryan roll it. I'm rolling a 500 sided die and, uh, can I get 650 to one odds? Can I get 620 to one odds? Or can I get 400 to one odds? And now I'm negative EV. That, that's all you're doing with lineups. That's literally all you're doing with lineups. So that's why, that, why do you think I'm hyping projections? That, that they're going to be more accurate than any human being would. Like there's, there's, no, there's no human being that could be better than a properly regressed projection model you may be putting in the input stuff right you may be putting in the minutes and stuff right we have someone like petty theft he has his own model he puts in his inputs so it's not a matter of he well he knows basketball more than well yeah for the minutes it may be more accurate when it comes to the minutes and usage by by this much by a smidge but he still has a model it's not like he's just picking people out of a hat oh i think this guy's gonna do well today you know he's just he may go, I think this guy may play a little bit more than people think. I think they're going to go big here. I think the matchup over here. And then he adjusts that type of stuff. But then he still spits out numbers and makes plus EV lineups. Right? That's, that's the difference. That's what all the top DFS players do. We look at results, DB. You look across this list, right? It's still talking about people that, that are using models and projections. It's still numbers, right? They're still using numbers. Some use 
Some are much more number oriented than, than other people. Someone like Nerdy Tenor doesn't that just downloads the projections and runs simulations, doesn't know anything else. Right. Let, the, his, his algorithm is learning how to play. He doesn't even care. Right. The whistles go woo, the same thing. He's not watching any of this. He's writing computer programs to put the numbers together better than other people. That's it. Right. Right. We take a look. Brick 75. Brian Hooper. He, he hasn't watched basketball in years. He doesn't know any of this. Yet he's, he does well in all DFS sports. Hasn't watched baseball in years. Still crushes baseball. Why? Because he has a model, he puts together, and then puts the numbers together better than other people. I mean, it's the, it's the same exact Chipotle, Chipotle attic and Papa Gates. Same exact thing. They're not going, oh, I think this guy's going to do better than that. Because they're not, they're not thinking that way. That's what, that's what the model is for. That's what the projection system is for. Now, how do I put together the numbers better than other people? Ryan Johnson says, what's your best strategy if you don't have the building software? With, by buying then. Subscribe to Roto Grinders. Like, literally, this is what I use. It's not like I'm doing anything different than other, like, dude, I use, I use our Roto Grinders projections. We have ownership. We have fantasy points. We have the floor and the ceiling. We have everything. This is what I use. NBA is my most profitable sport of, in my six and a half years of playing DFS. With multiple GPP, with large field GPP wins. I use our projections. It's not like I'm saying, oh, sign up for Roto Grinders and use these projections. And me, I use the I I do my own thing. No, this is literally what I use. I think Nerdy Tenor, right? Uh, Daniel's in the chat. He does the same exact thing. All he's doing is doing this. Yeah, he's putting into his sim software. His, 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 he does his his thing. Me, I use game theory. I may not be as precise as as Nerdy Tenor. But I'll probably, I probably on average probably have much higher EV lineups than he does by using just simply by using game theory. Those concepts you could learn in my course. It's the same exact thing that I just literally talked about with relative value. How could I build lineups that have the highest projection for the lowest ownership possible? Where's that balance? Right? Can't build lineups that are that are really low project, really low owned because. They're probably not projected very well. They're probably too low projected. Then I can't, I shouldn't be playing lineups that project the highest because they're also going to be too high owned. So how do I win those slates? I'm going to be sharing points with too many people. So there's a middle ground. Where's that middle ground? Building lineups that have as high a projection for as low ownership as possible. That's it. That is DFS for GPPs. Especially top heavy GPPs. So how do you do that? Well, what's the projection? What's the ownership? You, you need those numbers. So give me those numbers and I can build lineups. And then set the, the third thing would be correlation. What is the correlation between players, between events of a game? And how does that affect the standard deviation, the variance, the distribution of outcomes for different players? If one guy does well, what are the chances that another guy does well? What is the ratio? What is the, the coefficient of that? In baseball, the coefficient between players on the same team is much higher than in NBA. In League of Legends, it's ridiculously high, right? So most likely, if you roster one guy from one team, you're probably rostering three, three other people also from the same team. Basketball, not as much. The, the correlations are very weak. Baseball is much, much higher. 
Once you know all those, once you know those three things, the projection, the ownership, and the correlation, you're done. Those are the those are the three levers of DFS, as I call it. You can't have projection uh, leverage and correlation these levers all the way up to the top. Anytime that you move up that leverage or that correlation lever, that projection lever starts coming down a little. So it's like, where's that balance between those three levers? That is the game of DFS. So in order, you can't know what the balance is without having actual numbers, right? Projection, leverage, correlation. By not having the numbers, how would you ever... Now you just now you just purely guessed. Oh, I think that oh, I'm gonna play a guy from Phoenix because the total's high. And I'm gonna play this guy from that, like the, you'd, you'd just be completely guessing. And maybe you get lucky. Sure, okay, that can happen. But that is that is the game of DFS. Oh. Ryan says he usually just plays the 50-50 20 mans on Yahoo. Very new to DFS. Yeah, the 50-50s are different strategy. The payout, the payout structure is, you know, 10 people make nothing, and then 10 people double their money or essentially double, kind of double, 1.8X their money, right? It's a 50-50, right? Which means the difference between 10th place and first place doesn't matter, okay? So for those types of contests, you're just trying to maximize your 50th percentile outcome, right? Coming in first does not matter. You just have to come in the top half. So you have to build a lineup that has the most likelihood of coming in the top 50th percentile of the contest. Well, you know, the fun part is that these numbers here, these fantasy point numbers are all medians or means close. Typically they're close enough, right? So they're median projections. What is a, what is a median? Median is the 50th percentile, right? If you go back to your stats classes, mean, median, mode, Standard deviation, range, you know, those types, that that would be very useful in DFS. That would actually be more useful than watching any of the sports in DFS. If you took a probability and statistics class, way more useful than watching any of the sports. So if, you're op, if your goal is now to just come in the top half, you do not care about first. You just care, how do I maximize my probability of coming in the top half? Well, you have all these median numbers of all the players. So you want to line up that you don't care about leverage. You don't care about correlation. You don't, you don't want to increase the variance of your lineup. You want to decrease the variance of your lineup. So essentially, you want that projection level to be right, right at the top, right? So if you're in DraftKings right now, like what? He's playing Yahoo. I'm going to go over to your Yahoo projections or current Yahoo projections. I always have to say the word current. It's a 12-game slate, and who knows what the hell happens between now and 7 o'clock. Right? So I'm going to the Yahoo projections right now. Right? So these are our median projections. The 50th percentile. So what is the highest lineup that could jam in as much of this median projection as possible? Well, that's what, that's what, an op, that's what a tool like this is. It's a knapsack problem. I'm just going to press optimize. What's the top lineup? Here you go. 292.48. Burks, Walker, Jackson, Bogey Bogdanovich, Giannis, Barrett, Capella, Eubanks on Yahoo because of the pricing and is is different, obviously, and Yahoo compared to other sites. So this, based on our current projections, this would be the lineup that you play on Yahoo. 
It's the highest median lineup. And your goal is to just bid the top 50th percentile. You don't care about how owned it is. You don't care about any of that. You don't care about relative value. You just care about, I just want to, what's the best, what lineup gives me the best chance of coming in the top half of this contest? That's it. So you're probably just focusing around median projections. That's why Masher even says in the chat, you probably need to pay for good projections because you're probably going to be playing against a lot of people that are playing with projections, especially in cash games, right? If you're playing cash games on any of the sites and you're not, you, you don't have any semblance of a projection system, you're going to be, you're going to be dead pretty soon, right? You're going you're to end up with a, a win rate of like 30%, which is really low. Right, you'll still win sometime, right? Of course. But since you're just focused on meaning projections, you don't have to do any of that game theory. You don't really have to do no correlation, no leverage. You don't have to care about that. Just give me the highest projected lineup, right? You may, to decrease your variance, care about you run the first couple of lineups because there may be players, there may be constructions that have slightly higher standard deviations. Now, we don't list them here in lineup HQ. But maybe you decide, well, instead of playing some guy that may only play 18 minutes off the bench, maybe I'd rather not play that guy because his range, his median may be 20, but his range is very wide. Like maybe, but those are those like secondary considerations. Most likely, most likely you could literally, and I'm telling you, this is something that people will not tell you. You could literally show up right before the slate. And just press the optimize button. Play that lineup. If you did that every day for the entire season, you you most likely will be you'll make money. I did last season in in NBA. I did that virtually the entire season on FanDuel and made twenty grand. Didn't have to think of anything. Obviously, there are late swaps as the projections change in in NBA. Well, some guy's out at 8.30, and then this guy comes in, and then you have to rerun it again. But for double-ups, for head-to-heads, for those types of things, I mean, you, you just care about having the highest median lineup you can. That's it. You don't have to come in first. So the strategy for cash games, you kind of remove the levers. You're just like, what's the bets? That, which is why people with projections typically rule the day in cash games. Because there's no, there's no other strategy involved other than vault. As long as I have decent enough projections, I'm going to have a good enough projected lineup. If you show up and you don't, yeah, I don't know who's going to do well. Who's going to like, you're going to be dead in double ups and 50 fifties. Cause mostly people that play double ups and 50 fifties tend to be sharp players. Right. Cause it's not as exciting because people, casual people don't find it exciting. I get to double my money. I get to 1.8 X my money. They'd rather like, I want to put in $10 and potentially win, you know, 50 grand. There are most more people are doing that. And, and there are more ways that you could be bad at that and luck into a $50,000 score. It's going to be very hard for you to luck into a, a 57 to 60% win rate to above the, obviously 55% is a break even point for most uh, cash games. It's going to be very hard for you to luck into a 60% win rate in, 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 in cash games at all. Over a long period of time, right, over years. Right, Matcher said the same thing. Even the beginners have RG or ETR or something. Hard to beat even the rookies, right? 
If you're gonna play, if you're gonna, if you're going to play those contests, yeah, it's a, it's a battle of projections. Those contests, GPPs, not as much. Okay, so that was a, that was a jam packed episode. Jam packed episode. I answered some stuff. We got some new people in here, right? If I see people that are new that are answering, asking questions, and saying, "Hey, I'm new to this," or whatever. See, I have no problem explaining it. It's when I see the people that I've seen before, they're asking the same questions that I've seen them answer, that I've, I've answered 700 times and I've seen them ask 800 times. That's when I get kind of pissed off. It's like, dude, I watch all my videos by the core, by the theory of DFS course, right? I have tons of premium videos behind the road of grinders. I have a discord. I have, I have old videos. You can watch all the, all this show, this show, this pregame show, I have 500 hours of it. You can learn everything you want. You just have to do it. Just do it. That's all you have to do. You know what you have to do? You have to hit that thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the thumbs up button. Helps us out. Hit the subscribe button. If you're new here, like Ryan, if you're new here, hit that subscribe button and hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Grinders Live coming up later today, 4.45 p.m. Eastern time. It is a humongous slate. Uh, and maybe there won't be as much news as we think. Probably there will be. Probably someone's going to be scratched, and this guy's going to move. This card and line is going to be different. Who knows? But uh, they'll have you cover on Grinders Live. And then there's uh, crunch time at 6.20 p.m. Eastern. For premium members, you can always download the Roto-Grinders app to, to listen on, on the run or on uh, on the Roto-Grinders site. And, uh, and, yeah, so I'll be back tomorrow. Not sure if I'm going to play tonight's slate. Because Wednesday, Wednesdays is, is wrestling night. Uh, so so 8 o'clock, I watch Dynamite, AEW Dynamite. And uh, I may decide to just like, if I don't want to have to deal with late swap for all these, because then it, basically I could do everything up to 8 o'clock. And then do I want to deal with 8, 30, 9, 10, 10, 5 other games? I may not. So I may just say, screw it. Right? These are the types of slates I like to play. But if I, can, if I can't devote the time and the mental energy for the later stuff, then I'd, r- I'd rather not put in any volume than, than put in bad volume on the slate. But I'll still go over it tomorrow and answer your DFS strategy questions, as I always do, here on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>